Oh. Hey, good morning. Thanks for being here on time. Wonderful. Um, impressive, better than me, which is good. But um, it's great to be able to start. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Last night I had a fight with the cat, so I spent this yeah. Have you watched Desi and um, Lucille yet? That's in my ears. Yeah. That rent collection is in my ears. <laughs> You'll stick to yours. <laughs> you tell him what to do with his filming. Thank you. Get down from me, Jimmy. Oh,
it was time to perfection, right? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first sentence, census, sentence, census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. This is the Christmas story. This is the moment in which we, we pick it up here in Luke where uh, uh, Joseph and Mary head to Bethlehem and that's where we will see the scene of the manger and everything that we know about Christmas. But there's so much in this story. This word, Nazareth, why are they going from Nazareth? Why aren't they already there in Bethlehem? You know, because, hey, in those times, people stayed at where the father was and, and, and the wife would go there. But no, they'll go, the, Joseph is living in Nazareth, not in his natural hometown of Bethlehem. Now, some people kind of went out and did their own thing and kind of left home. But usually, like here in New Zealand, you don't leave small town New Zealand to go to small town New Zealand. You normally leave, leave small town New Zealand to go to big town New Zealand, right? Unfortunately, there's one most place most people go to. But here it's the same, right? Joseph left small town Israel to go to small town Israel and, and it doesn't make any sense because also Nazareth is not really a really nice place. It's not, you know, well, well known. People don't like it. In fact, in this story when Jesus is calling his disciples, here Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, which is on, on the seashore of Galilee. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And rather than focus on the fact that they found the Messiah, the thing that Nathanael seems to focus on is like, Nazareth? Really? Like nothing really good can come out of Nazareth, right? So it's not the best place. So what's Joseph doing there? Who knows? We hear and read about in the Gospels of Mary's family, but we don't read about Joseph's family. Is he an orphan? Is his parents not around? What's going on? It's an interesting part that we don't know. And because we love stories, we want to know. What's up with Joseph? But here's the other thing that's really kind of interesting in that opening verse. They had to go from Nazareth which is all the way up there, down to Bethlehem. And it wasn't safe really to cross through Samaria because the Samaritans really didn't like Jews. And Jews didn't really like Samaritans either. You know, you don't want to get your clothes dirty in Samaria. So they had to, would have had to go around the long way to get there, which, you know, two people and a donkey would have taken a long time. It's kind of like walking, I don't know, from here to... Well, actually, Auckland, it's eight hours with a car, right? How long is it going to take by foot? It's going to take a long time. But there's another thing that's really interesting. It's that they were pledged to be married. That means they actually weren't married. Now, pledging, the way it worked in, in Israel at this time, 
which doesn't work like this anymore here in our world, or some parts of the world still does. The parents, they get together and they decide who marries who, right? So they'll see a, a, a good-looking young man like Jack, and they'll say, Jack, we need to find a good woman for you. And Jack thinks, well, I, I can do that myself. No, you can't. We're your parents. We can help you with that. So you sit tight. We're going to go figure it out and find a girl for you. So you imagine how nervous Jack is. So Jack, how old are you now? Yeah, you're ripe right for marriage. Because that's about how old Joseph would have been. So you imagine, Jack, you're about to be a father. And you have to walk... The parents are going to love me for this. You're going to have to walk with your bride-to-be. You're not even married. All the way to Bethlehem. That's how pledging works. So they're pledged to be married. But see, the thing is, in Israel, it's not really kosher to be pledged to be married and be pregnant at the same time. Uh, some cultures really have problems with that. We Italians, we like to gossip a lot. You know, if someone got pregnant, we're all talking about it because, you know, how did that happen? Well, two people got together, right? But here, they're not married and they're young. They're pledged to be married, but they're pregnant. Ooh. In fact, when Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, in this story here at the beginning of Matthew, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's how serious this is and a pretty mature thing for a 13-year-old to do. They're pledged to be married. He finds out she's pregnant. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to the law. The law says, hey, this is not cool. So there's a lot going on in this story. There's a lot happening here. It wasn't a very sterile and, and, and lovely Christmas for these guys. Actually, there might have been a bit of stress, a bit of stress for Joseph and Mary to travel so far, a bit of stress maybe for Joseph to go back to his hometown with a pregnant wife-to-be. There would have been a lot of stress for them. And so when they do get to town, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. And that is kind of a... It's really been sterilized for our modern world to read, no guest room available. Because in those days, much like actually in some parts of the world, when you're family and you go to someone to, to a, your, your own hometown, you don't go stay in a hotel. You go stay with the family. It'll be a big family house. We'll all go over and we stay. There'll be multiple rooms in there. They'll all hang out together and they'll spend this time together. And the houses looked kind of like this back then. You know, the streets were usually teeming with animals and carts and people. They weren't very pleasant and, and nice places to walk off the street straight into your house because it would have been dirt and there would have been a lot of, um, well, poops from animals. 
and there would have been mud and stuff and usually you'd go up to the second story you know um, where you would leave your animals and stuff downstairs and you'd go upstairs to the main residence area that's how it generally worked and usually these areas were big rooms and people would then bed out right there on the floor but there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the family home which might have had even more to the stress so they're reduced to staying on the bottom floor with the animals so you can imagine there's a bit of tension Joseph's family there's a bit of tension for him and imagine how Mary would have felt huh meeting the in-laws if there were in-laws or the family and they oh sorry we know you're pregnant but hey no room for you that would have been a bit rough for him hey what are you going to do about it Jack what what are you going to and this is the circumstance in which Jesus chose to be born and that's the amazing part of the Christmas story this is incredibly amazing that we don't sometimes think about how much does Jesus trust his teenage partners parents sorry how much does he have to trust them these young kids you know sometimes we at church don't trust our kids to run our services because they can make a real mess right and they don't follow the plan but here's Jesus trusting illegitimate teenage parents the greatest plan in human history that God had worked through all the Old Testament it arrives to this very point in the very point of history where he says this is how we're going to save humanity and I'm going to trust teenage kids to look after the greatest plan it's an amazing story you know Jesus couldn't walk talk feed himself control his bladder I mean babies they're the most defenseless things on the planet they can't look after themselves and he trusted these two kids to look after him it's amazing absolutely amazing left to unwed teenage nobodies you know so many of these pictures or paintings we have of Joseph and Mary shows Joseph this old guy with a big long beard and he's you know shepherd staff he wasn't a shepherd he was a carpenter but it doesn't matter we'll give him a shepherd staff anyway and he's holding it up and he looks like a good mature old man right wasn't him wasn't him Jesus is the greatest gift for the very fact that he entrusted everything to these nobodies how much more how much more does he trust us how much more does he love us how much more is he willing to do things for us it's the greatest plan on the planet and he chose to come in this very way. He is the greatest gift. The very presence of Christmas, though, questions our prejudices, questions everything that we are, who we are. If we think we're great for what we do and how we've done things, let me tell you, that's not important to God. It's important to us. 
But that's not important to God. If you think you're rich and well off, good. That's not a bad thing, but that's important to God. What's important is your heart, who you are. And at Christmas, he shows this. You don't trust kids? God, you did. You don't trust uh, raising your child in a manger? God of the universe did. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to show us what we need to do to get to God. Instead, he's showing us what God will do to get to us. He will go into a manger. He will uh, let himself be in the arms of teenage unwed parents. He will do whatever it takes to reach you. And that is the amazing story of Jesus and Christmas. Jesus is God's way of reaching us, reaching us with salvation, reaching us with redemption. It is, Jesus is God's way of showing us his love, showing us how much he cares for us, how much he's willing to do for us. And Jesus is God's way of giving us hope, hope for everlasting life. And it all begins right here, right now, at Christmas. It's an amazing story. Jesus is the greatest gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to condemn it, but to bring hope and life and peace and joy so that who may believe in him will have eternal life. Amen? Amen. It's a great story. An amazing story. I ask our music team to come up.